This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're highlighting the issue of free speech in the workplace, and specifically an employee's right to avoid hearing certain political or religious speech without fear of retaliation from their employer. To discuss this topic, we're joined by Assemblymember Karinas Reyes, a Bronx Democrat who sponsored legislation, quote, protecting employee freedom of speech and conscience. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Happy to be here. It's our pleasure to have you. So what was the impetus for this legislation? The impetus for the legislation was to protect employers from retaliation or facing discipline for deciding not to sit through what we call captive audience meetings. And these are compulsory meetings held by employers. Oftentimes, they start talking about legitimate workplace-related topics, whether that be perhaps new policies, workplace safety issues, whatever the case might be, and then turn to conversations about political or religious reliefs. Usually it's it's anti-union rhetoric. We see these happen very often when there is organizing campaign by the workers and employers will use captive audience meetings to present their position as to why they oppose the union and why workers shouldn't be joining. Are these types of captive audience meetings a recent phenomenon or have they been present for decades in the workplace? No, they've been present for decades in the workplace. And actually, the National Labor Relations Board has had some litigation around this issue in different cases. We saw this with like Hobby Lobby Chick-fil-A, Amazon, even in as, as late as the 40s um, and before then, uh, employers would use captive audience meetings to just present their views to employers. And the thing is that, you know, when your boss calls you in to have this meeting, you kind of sit there and listen because you you feel like you're required to do so. And this just tells workers that you are actually required to sit through these meetings and listen to things that are germane to your job. Once the employer starts talking about religious opinions, political opinions, union busting, in New York, we're saying you don't have to sit through those meetings and we're going to protect you if your employer retaliates against you for for deciding not to participate. Yeah. How does someone differentiate between a discussion or a meeting that might be related to their job and where something crosses the line into the type of speech that an employee could walk out of a meeting during? There's a lot of discretion left up to the employer, right? Because there is no oversight body present to say, you you crossed the line, now you're talking about something that doesn't pertain to work. I think workers are going to have to determine that on their own. And I think they're very good. They're very good at doing that. You can you can very you can tell when something has nothing to do with your duties at work or your performance at work. And when somebody is just talking about religious opinions, religious views or political views. But a lot of that is left to the discretion of the employee. And is there a difference when it comes to, say, partisan political views and, say, nonpartisan political views, like an employer who might start talking about the merits of voting and, and trying to encourage people to take advantage of early voting, for example? There is enough ambiguity in the language where an employee can construe 
nonpartisan information given to them as fitting within the the category of of captive audience by encouraging folks to vote i mean that would be something that would have to be challenged in in court because it's it's not necessarily trying to sway the workers to support any political party they're just saying you should go out and do it i can see a scenario where an employee says you know i don't believe in voting and mm. you're telling me i should and would this right be applied proactively for example could someone opt out of a meeting before it even begins on the belief that it might touch on certain protected speech or would they have to actually sit through a meeting and wait until that political or religious test is triggered? Correct. The bill doesn't speak to that specifically, but I think it's it's going to be hard for an employee to make the case that they knew that they were going to be talked about political or or religious opinions and and that's why they didn't participate um because under the language of the bill nothing stops the employer from holding these captive audience meetings or holding these meetings to relay information that they are legally required to to communicate to workers whether that be you know sexual harassment training workplace safety issues whatever the case might be um they are under their legal right to convene workers to hold these meetings. So I think it's going to be difficult for uh, workers to preemptively say, I'm not going to participate in this meeting because I believe uh, without having any any real evidence that that's happening. So it would have to be triggered once the topic changes to something that isn't legally protected. And what type of retaliation would be prohibited. For example, could an employer say that everyone who's sitting through this meeting gets chocolate ice cream and everyone who leaves during the meeting is going to have to work on their monthly TPS reports? I mean, it's not the the type of retaliation, again, is not specified in the language, but ultimately, if a worker feels like they are being treated differently because they didn't participate in this meeting, that can very well be retaliation. Um, and we've seen instances where workers will be denied promotions um, or they will be denied paychecks or they get paid late. Those are all forms of retaliation that um, that a, a worker could could claim. During your floor remarks on this bill, you thanked uh, labor unions for helping you craft the legislation. So should we infer that this bill is primarily about trying to undercut efforts of employers that might be looking to discourage union activity or or union creation? Absolutely, because I think the groups that stand to lose the most when employers who have power over these workers um, and are able to convene these meetings whenever they want on their terms uh, are the are the rights of workers to organize and and ultimately uh, unions. But I think more importantly, the right of workers to organize is something that is infringed upon when employers can threaten their workers by saying, you know, you shouldn't do this because, and then give them reasons to why discourage them from from participating in union activities. Well, finally, because there are so many gray areas when it comes to the implementation of this and it involves free speech rights, do you anticipate that if this legislation was to become law, it would inevitably be litigated in some fashion? 
I mean, it, it can be. I know that other states have passed similar laws and that has withstood uh, legal scrutiny. And again, we wrote the language to to ensure that it doesn't prohibit employers um, from communicating with their workers on information that they're legally required to provide. Uh, we're just saying that, and it doesn't stop them from holding the meetings. We're just saying that you can't retaliate against the worker who doesn't want to sit through the part of the meeting that has nothing to do with their job. Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Karinas Reyes. She's a Bronx Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.